Today, we will be speaking with Alex Murray. He will get us started with an introduction, some background about himself, and then we'll jump into the questions. Hope you enjoy the talk. So my name is Alex Murray. I'm a professor at the University of Oregon, um, where I research crowdfunding and emergent technologies such as blockchain, artificial intelligence, and how those technologies are have implications for you know new forms of organizing and startups and their strategies. Um, prior to joining the University of Oregon, I got my PhD at the University of Washington um, and was initially um, on faculty at ETH in Zurich, where I did a lot of work on blockchain and you know worked with some blockchain companies down between Zurich and Zug. Um, and that was kind of my trajectory to now um, advise some startups on the side and continue to, you know, just read and stay curious about, you know, contemporary technologies and what it means for the act of organizing more broadly and generally. To start off, what are decentralized autonomous organizations? Yeah, so decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs are effectively online organizations um, of many distributed individuals. And all I mean by that is it's a number of people who are working together on a common task in a virtual space. So they don't need to be co-located. They can be located around the world and they are able to coordinate because of the underlying blockchain technology. Um, so essentially the smart contracts that are built atop blockchain, um, they allow individuals to be compensated or rewarded for their intellectual contributions if it's say an innovative or an innovation-based DAO. Um, it could also be a means to coordinate resource allocation. So if individuals are kind of pooling resources or pooling financial you know dollars or in this case a cryptocurrency if they're pooling some kind of resource that they're going to send to say an entrepreneur or another innovative project um the smart contracts that are built on the underlying blockchain protocol allow for those resources to be safely and securely aggregated and then distributed to the other projects that they're financing. So at its most basic, it's just an online organization that is run on code that allows individuals to trust one another. Are a lot of companies and groups already using this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so established companies, less so. Um, it's more so being seen by online groups of actors who want to work together on a common task. Um, so you're seeing a lot of DAOs emerge to, as investment vehicles. Um, so they're trying to, say, invest in creative projects, cre invest in innovative projects, invest in entrepreneurs. Um, you're also seeing it just for online communities to have a means of organizing and governing themselves. So you're seeing DAOs emerge for anything from climbing communities, you know, who maybe want to release NFTs for mountains people have climbed, um, to um, re really any kind of online, like innovation group. Um, for instance, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, innovative DAOs. And one example there is Arloop. You know, they have about 1,600, 1,700 engineers. And what's happening there is, you know, any intellectual contribution, any code that's written for an innovative project, um, an NFT will be released and then they can be compensated whenever that code is utilized. So if DAOs currently are not being used by very established companies, what changes are necessary so that these established companies begin to incorporate this idea? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, and it's an interesting question because I'm not sure the advantage. So say you know you're Amazon, say you're Google, say you're IBM. It's unclear what the value add would be to completely reconstitute yourselves or reorganize yourselves as a DAO. However, it could make sense for a project group within an organization or say 
an interaction with another organization to be organized as a DAO, because then you have a means of trust because trust is based on the underlying technology and the code. Whereas, you know, in a hierarchy, so what I mean by that is an established organization, you already have managers, you already have, you know, rules and regulations. There is a system by which it's governed. Um, so it may be less, it may make less sense to reorganize entirely as a DAO. Um, whereas if you are, say, a decentralized group of actors in an online space who didn't have an effective means of organizing previously, um, it may make more sense for those groups. Um, so you may see it when you have inter-organizational collaboration. All I mean by that is, you know, two or more organizations working together, it may make sense to coordinate as a DAO. Um, but I don't know if you're going to see a wholesale reconstruction of Amazon and all its subunits as a DAO, if that makes sense. Is this something that became more prominent due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, a lot of people began to rethink how they work. There's a lot more remote work. Was this something that became a lot more prominent during this era? That's a great question. So it's hard to, you know, tease apart causality here. Did COVID lead to DAOs, particularly since the technology was becoming more available and more widely used, you know, in the lead up to COVID-19, irrespective of COVID-19's occurrence? However, you're absolutely right. A lot of people were working from home or they were more isolated during that period. And there was a push to have Internet innovation to allow, you know, me, you and anyone else who's working from home or studying from home or no longer, you know, interacting face to face to have a means to coordinate tasks and work together. So I do think, particularly when it comes to the metaverse, but also with DAOs and just blockchain innovation in general, um, this is me speculating a bit, but I do believe that COVID-19 helped to accelerate um, some of the innovation and some of the applications of blockchain and particularly DAOs and the metaverse development. Yeah, so moving on, can you explain what the metaverse is? That is a great question. Um, so it means different things to different people. Um, but effectively right now, it's a means for individuals to interact in a virtual space using some form of some form of digital avatar. Now, those interactions can take a broad can take a wide, you know, wide array of forms. Um, it could be a virtual classroom, you know, where individuals sit in the class and are taught in a virtual space, but their avatar shows up and they partake in that way. It just adds another dimension to the online learning experience. Um, it could be a virtual city, you know, think about the Sims, but in this sense, you know, you're actually buying a plot of land using a cryptocurrency, you're determining what gets built there, um, and you're interacting with other people in this space. Um, for a company, it could also be a means to unveil products to digital avatars. So you're seeing Nike, you know, having digital sneakers that avatars can purchase in the metaverse. You're also seeing companies like Dolce & Gabbana have virtual fashion shows. Um, so you're seeing a number of different applications right now. But at its most basic, the metaverse is just an online virtual world that allows individuals like you and me, but also companies um, just to interact in another dimension. And how does the metaverse interact with the concepts of DeFi, blockchain, and Web3? Yeah. So Web3, I think of it as just kind of the broad encompassing term um, that encompasses, you know, blockchain technology or, you know, the technologies built or the applications built on top of blockchain technology, such as, you know, NFTs, such as the metaverse, such as DAOs. Um, in terms of blockchain and cryptocurrency, you know, blockchain, like I said, is the underlying tech that enables the metaverse, you know, just it enables secure transactions, it enables transparent transactions. Um, and then cryptocurrencies are the units of exchange by which we can purchase things in the metaverse. Um, you know, you can purchase a plot of land, you can purchase, you know, clothes for your avatar, you can purchase tickets to an online show, you know, Grimes had a concert in the metaverse earlier this year. 
So there's ways in which you can exchange using cryptocurrencies. And then NFTs, um, so non-fungible tokens, you know, these are particularly tied to certain things, whether it be, you know, your ability to vote. So say, you know, you're part of a DAO that has a, re a representation in the metaverse. Um, those maybe give you access to certain meetings or certain conversations or give you a vote on certain decisions. You know, should we plant a metaverse tree? You know, if that's a decision that this DAO is trying to make, your NFT could enable you to have a voting right on that. Um, so the technologies kind of coalesce under the Web3 umbrella um, and all influence um, how the metaverse is, is being enacted. How have people reacted to the concept of the metaverse? That's a good question. I think right now, it's actually a very good question. Um, so right now, you know, you're seeing the evangelists, people who are excited about it, um, are those who are actually utilizing it, right? It's those who are playing games in the metaverse. It's those who really believe in it. So you're seeing that early adopt, those early adopters, you know, they're, they're very favorable towards it. Um, I think a lot of metaverse responses outside of that early group right now um, it's still a lot of uncertainty and questioning, you know, people are like, well, why would I buy virtual land? What does that mean? Um, why would I buy a virtual good when I can go on Amazon and buy the real thing or, you know, go to Nordstrom and buy the real piece of clothing? Um, so, so I think you're having some questions around that. You know, I've had conversations with people who they're just trying to understand there's an inquisitive nature. There's a lack of, you know, widespread knowledge about what the metaverse means. You know, maybe they've heard, oh, Facebook rebranded as meta. Maybe they've heard, oh, there's cryptocurrencies and people are transacting in digital spaces. Maybe they said, oh, there are these, you know, these online games that people are playing in this virtual space. But it, I think it's a lot of distributed bits of knowledge without coalescing um, to understand, oh, this is what the metaverse could be. I also think there's a lack of understanding around the true practical implications of what the metaverse can mean. You know, that it could be a virtual classroom, that it could be a virtual doctor's office, um, that there are very practical and beneficial um, applications for the metaverse that have not fully been realized yet. And I don't think those are widely understood at this point in time because they haven't fully been, you know, built out and, you know, adopted. I like to transition and talk about Web3 within current businesses. So how is Web3 going to affect current industries? So I think that's a really good question. Um, I think at the most basic, it's a means to generate interest amongst users of the metaverse, right? So if you're playing games, if you're interacting in a, a Web3 metaverse environment, um, it's a means for a company to say, get, you know, publicity, to get interest, to generate, you know, word of mouth advertising and marketing. Um, you know, I think Nike's made millions of dollars on their virtual sneaker sales. Um, so right now, you know, that, those are the most basic ways of interacting. Um, I, I do think moving forward, we're going to see um, more innovative ways that brands are interacting with online communities in the metaverse. Um, so if there's a DAO, so, you know, that's say maybe, let's just say 100 members to keep it simple. Um, if they vote on, say, what product should be unveiled by... I don't know, Nike or Adidas or whatever. Um, there, there are opportunities for online communities, online aggregates of individuals to have a, you know, to generate a bit more, I don't want to say power, but have a bit more say in what a company does um, because, you know, they, they have a an interaction online where they can influence product releases, influence strategic decisions. Um, they can vote on things because their opinion has has come to matter for that organization or that company. 
And are businesses changing their business models in order to incorporate Web3? Or is this something that already fits in well with the mission of a lot of companies? That's a good question. Um, I think it depends on the company. So if you're a consumer goods company, say you're an apparel company, like a lot of the examples I've given thus far are apparel companies. It's pretty straightforward, right? You can mint an NFT for a digital item of clothing or a limited edition clothing item. And you know, you go on business as usual, you just have another revenue stream. Um, I think that's similar to for, say, trading cards or other types of collectibles. So you saw, you know, the NBA with Top Shot. I think that is a good example. Um, I don't know if Tops is doing anything, you know, with their cards and collectibles. I'm sure they are. I'm just naive on that one right now. But I imagine you're seeing, you know, collectible industries. It also makes sense for them to unveil some form of digital representation of the physical goods they make. Um, for other types of companies, it's a bit more complex, right? So if I am, you know, in the medical industry, if I am in the insurance industry, if I'm in the real estate industry, um, it, it's not a direct one-to-one -one correlation, right? I can make this product in the real world, but I can also make it in the metaverse. Um, it might be a more complex change to the business model, but I do think um, we're starting to see those innovations emerge. And I think, you know, in five to 10 years, we will see a metaverse um, representation amongst many different types of companies, not just consumer goods or apparel goods. Now, if the metaverse becomes this virtual marketplace, how would regulations impact the metaverse? Would it be similar regulations to how companies are treated offline compared to online? What do you think that relationship would be like? So it's a good question. Um, and I think, you know, regulation right now is lagging a bit. Regulators are trying to catch up. And right now they're just looking at, you know, cryptocurrencies, you know, is this, you know, security? How do we tax this? How do we regulate the sale and exchange of cryptocurrencies? Um, and I, I think regulation has yet to really capture what's going on in the metaverse or what could go on there. Um, you know, for instance, if there's not a physical border of where transactions are taking place, how do you, you know, if it's global interactions, global exchanges, how do you tax revenues that are made in the metaverse? Um, if I, you know, provide a service in the metaverse, um, but I live in, say, the state of California, um, do I pay taxes based on my residence in California, or is it a, a metaverse regulation um, on taxes? So I think there's a lot of questions that have yet to be answered around the, the inherent regulatory nature of the metaverse. Um, I don't have a clear answer on that right now, because like I said, I think the regulatory bodies are lagging a bit. I think they're also kind of waiting to find out what types of exchanges and what types of businesses are um, engaging in the metaverse. But I do think regulation is a critical question. Um, it's one that's being explored by people in other fields and also obviously, you know, in the government. And I, and I do think regulation will emerge at some point, what it looks like or how it comes down or when it comes down. Um, I, I can't really shed light on that right now. And how will companies have to adapt in the future in order to incorporate this Web3 technology? Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing is a lot of it is dependent on some of the Web2 infrastructure that's already available, right? It still is utilizing protocols that are Web2 based, um, the information exchange that's Web2 based. Um, it's just about, you know, engaging with a decentralized ledger such as blockchain. Um, now, does that mean they are writing applications on top of, say, the Ethereum chain? 
or at, you know in a, in a public fashion or are they developing private chains where they have kind of private metaverses or you know that are kind of fall under the web3 umbrella but it's very much their means of interacting say with their supply chain partners um so a, a lot of the technology is already in place but the key addition is obviously blockchain technology and how a firm decides to utilize that technology whether it does it in a public fashion so they're engaging kind of in a more decentralized open manner or if they're writing their own protocols atop private blockchains that then allow them to say interact with a select group of actors or a select group of companies um, to generate value. And talking about the Nike example, they've created this virtual wardrobe. How easy was it for them to do the do so? And is this something that's really a top priority within Nike or other clothing companies and other people? who are trying to get exposed to the metaverse, is this at the top of their priorities or is this something that's more lagging in their business models? Yeah, that's a good question. So I haven't obviously spoken, you know, with the strategic, you know, managers or strategic initiatives or who's setting strategy at Nike. So I can't speak directly to how it fits into their uh, value proposition and their business model and key activities, but I can speculate a bit. And, and my guess is that it's not a core activity. Obviously, you know, the main activities for Nike, it's still going to be revenue generated from the physical sale or the sale of physical goods. So whether it be sports equipment or sports apparel, also, you know, sponsorships um, with, you know, sports teams, you know, outfitting, you know the University of Oregon's football team, for example, you know, those are still going to be the key activities for a company like Nike. However, you know, companies like Nike, they're always looking to grow. They're always looking to expand and they're always looking to stay up to date and contemporary. And you know, the revenues that came in, I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was in the millions of dollars um, from the digital sale of goods in Web3 and the metaverse, you know, it is still a line item for Nike. Um, and it is potentially, if we look at, you know, the trajectory of innovation, there's a very good chance it could continue to grow in future years as the metaverse takes hold. So Nike might not be making a substantial amount of capital um, from their metaverse activities right now, but that's not to say in 5, 10, 15 years, they're not setting themselves up um, to have substantial revenues from the metaverse. You know, one could think about, what do virtual sports look like in the future? You know, are there going to be metaverse sports teams? Is Nike setting itself up to outfit um, whatever a virtual team looks like? Um, I don't know. So there's things to be thinking about there. Um, but to answer your question at present, it's probably not a key revenue generator for Nike. However, it is a strategic initiative that likely is being put in place now with the potential to have far greater implications later on down the road. And what do you think are some of the issues with this exposure uh, to the metaverse and Web3? Do you think companies are worried about technical issues or do you think a lot of it is sort of the stigmatized idea that this is a crazy concept? So I think it's a bit of both. I do think we're at a threshold now where there are the, the technology has been proven out for the most part. I mean, we're still seeing, you know, hacks we're still seeing issues you know with the security of blockchain design so it's not a foolproof technology so there are still concerns around that but we are at a threshold where there are a number of people who know how to write smart contracts who know how to code on top of you know blockchain protocols um so those people exist and those capabilities are available for companies um so like i said there are technological concerns that companies have but i 
do believe a lot of the issues right now are still around stigmatization and questioning what is the underlying value add of adopting a Web3 strategy? Um, is it all just smoke and mirrors? Is this actually something that's going to be important? Could this really make, you know, add value or be beneficial to society at large or, you know, have broader implications beyond, you know, this made up world, if you will. And I do still think there are questions about that. And there are obviously a number of naysayers and doubters um, who don't see the value of the metaverse and companies are having to weigh the potential of engaging in metaverse activities versus, you know, steering clear of it um, as individuals, you know, come to terms with what it means. Uh, but, you know, the, the parallel there and something to think about is if you go back to, say, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when companies were starting to sell physical goods online, a lot of people were questionable were questioning that, right? They were uncomfortable putting a credit card, you know, number online because they didn't trust what would happen, right? If, if I put my credit card in online, um, am I going to have my identity stolen? Is someone going to steal, you know, my credit card number and then utilize it? So there was a lot of uncertainty and questioning around just, you know, basic Web2 infrastructure 20, 25 years ago. Um, so if we can project outward, you know, some of that stigmatization or some of those concerns and uncertainty around Web3 today, um, if we look out, you know, 10, 20 years, they maybe obviously could become a thing of the past as people become more used to it and understand the value add or the implica positive implications that Web3 can have on their digital presence and their digital interactions and just their way to you know, um, consume goods or entertainment or anything in a virtual space.